Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Wow, there's so much power in that. So make it a good one and learn something new, meet someone new, try something, believe something, do something to change it up today. And today you are so blessed because you get to meet Stephanie Knight. Yes, she's the executive director of the Senior Hub in Denver, Colorado, actually the north side of town. Uh, But she's so much more. She is an innovator, a servant, a soul-filled leader, a fantastic amount of energy. Stephanie, welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Well, thank you so much, Betsy. I'm so glad to be here. I've been very excited to be part of the podcast and just share some of my message and some of my news. Yeah. Well, good. Well, you know, uh, we got to meet each other through the Camp Experience Network, which everyone who listens to the show knows I was the founder of many, many, many years ago. And the purpose of Camp Experience is to bring together all kinds of women, all walks of life, just to share experiences, thus the name, Camp Experience, (laughs) and to grow and to build networks and to help each other. So I was lucky enough to have Stephanie at one of my Camp Experiences, and then we had a lunch and got chatting, and I said, you got to be on this podcast, (laughs) friend. you got to be on the podcast. So what I like to do in the first half is really talk about um, you growing up, because uh, people listening are kind of searching for their story and our story. Yeah. And what sense. can they uh, learn from some things you've learned along the way and some, gosh, opportunities for personal growth you have had Yeah, that, uh, we can talk about and how you found the light, how you found hope, uh, how you found yourself, and then how you've changed that into a, a life of service. So uh, it all began in a small hospital, or you can go past that. <laughs> But um, I like to tell everybody a little bit about who you are and your upbringing and um, what made you the Stephanie you are today. Sure, absolutely. So I actually was born in a small um, hospital, community-based hospital in Michigan, my, me and my sister both. I am middle child, so I'm one of three. We are 13 months apart, all three girls. So we kind of walked out into the world um, with our mom and dad as triplets because we were 13 months apart and everybody kind of, it was a run-on sentence. It was Stephanie, Angela, Yolanda, Stephanie, Angela, Yolanda. So we were always kind of the three musketeers, very close to our own best friends and our own little pod, if you will. And it was very helpful because I've moved over nine times in my life. And folks would ask me, so is your dad military? Like, why do you guys move so much? And my dad was in sales. He was on an upward trajectory, so everywhere he moved was a promotion. We lived in towns like Berkeley Heights, New Jersey, Akron, Ohio, just all over the country. And it was it was good and bad because I got to kind of reinvent myself with every new move and kind of maybe shed some old stuff and create some new stuff, new identity, and just be a emerge as a different person. But also I find Betsy just kind of, as I've lived, I don't necessarily have the glue of relationships that I hear people kind of sit around and talk about 18 years, 20 years, 25 oh, years yes. of knowing folks. Right. Yeah. Oh, I went to high school. <laughs> with this, yeah. I went to kindergarten. Yeah, and yeah. I think like, I oh. went to kindergarten in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, know anybody, anybody in Colorado. <laughs> Not that long. So that's, yeah, I've always kind of marveled at that. But again, we were a, a tribe in a pot of three. So again, we, you know, went to school together. We were a great apart. So that worked out. So we are really best sis- friends and sister friends and all of that as a cluster. Um, so yeah, I was just one of those kids that 
was very early on opinionated. Um, I would say that I just kind of spoke up for myself, but I also spoke up for others. And I didn't realize always that I was doing that. I mean, um, my father used to have an expression with me. He would say, well, if you if you go out into the world, you're going to come home. You know, it was like this lost puppy syndrome. You're going to bring somebody home that's in need or of want. That's just who you are. And I remember one day I actually did bring, I think I was a um, early... Um, elementary school, I actually brought home a boy on the bus that um, had shared, you know, sometime in school or the lunch yard, lunch yard that he was having a difficult day or difficult struggle. And I brought him home with me. And I said, oh, my mom won't mind and just get on the bus with me and come to my stop. And he came home and we had a meal. And then my parents called his parents to get him picked up and to get him back home. But I just have always, you know, I'm that person in the grocery store. Like, You'll talk to me. I'll know about your life by the time we get to the end of checkout. You <laughs> know, you I'll make recommendations on toothpaste or new vegetables or whatever. That's just who I am. And I just, it's just a really organic and natural for me to kind of jump into people's life and maybe offer some support or a kind word or a smile or just a tap on the back. So that's who I am. Well, did that, and did you find that you fit in somewhere to do that? Because I too moved in those critical years. So I moved third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. Wow, yeah. Which are those years yeah. where you're trying to figure out who you are. I kissed the first boy in Michigan. Ah. I still remember, spin the bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we moved. And then I went to North Carolina where I talked differently than all the North Carolina people. And they said, Yankee, go home. That was uh, pleasant. Yeah. Then I moved back to Indiana. Little did I know my dad was miserable and just hated his job. So he moved back until I grew up and learned about it. Yeah. But did you find any place, like with all those moving around for me, Girl Scouts was the one thing that was kind of constant. I could do Girl Scouts in each place. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of lighthearted girls at that age. Did you plug into any community things? Um, Absolutely, absolutely. I was um, I was an Indian princesses. See, I don't even know what that is. Oh, that sounds so, really fun. Yeah, so Indian princesses was kind of in the same lane as Girl Scouts, but it was more of a commitment to outdoor activities. And I was Little Flower. My dad was Big Bear. He did it with me. This is kind of before he got a certain level of responsibility and things that were pretty time-consuming. But we did it together. And we would go to a cabin um, as part of the um, Little Princesses experience up in the mountains in New Jersey in Wachong Mountains. And we would stay and we'd have recreation. And so I had that. I was also a Girl Scout. Um, so absolutely in elementary school, I was part of a Girl Scout troop. And my yeah. mom absolutely was involved with that as well. And so those things absolutely did ground me. I was very civic minded. And those were the groups that I had because I realized, like you said, I was kind of a transplant um, more frequently than not. And these were some constants that I could carve out for myself. Absolutely. Kids yeah. today still do scouts. I led my daughter's scouts, and now she's almost 20. So I was a troop leader yeah, because yeah. most of the other moms didn't want to do it, and I wanted to do it well. Like yeah. we had, you know, uh, no water gardening and learned about succulents, and they were like <laughs> six, you know? Yeah, right. And the brownies went home with a succulent. <laughs> they couldn't say the word, but they learned and took less water. <laughs> so I was totally into that until sixth grade when it wasn't cool, and they yeah. all had to leave. Yeah. But I lured them with good treats and uh, art. <laughs> Yeah, so we did a well, lot there of you go. Yeah, so that definitely is your language. Yeah. 
Um, but no, um, you know, smaller communities, a lot of, um, like you said, and church. Church was always a constant. So again, I, you know, we were involved in church very early. Early on, it was Catholic church. Um, my dad actually converted to marry my mom. And so that was our orientation was as Catholics. And then as a few moves later, we became Baptists, um, practicing Baptists and was a member of the choir. I was a member of the youth usher board. Um, and then, of course, those famous uh, teen lockouts where, you know, you remember in church culture that you would all kind of pile up for an overnight um, away from your parents with all the munchies and, and stuff that was hosted by your your home church and you would stay overnight. It was a lockout. You're locked out of the world with your peers for fun. And those, you know, were in several of the Baptist systems or congregations. So that was another place to kind of always find that lockout experience that yeah. was very nurturing too with my peers. And of course was just good spirited, healthy, clean, fun under the church umbrella. So yeah, yeah a lot of, now that you're kind of picking my memory, a lot of ways I did to stay in community, mm -hmm. to stay very purposeful, to stay very civic minded. I guess I just always just was so drawn towards that. And how can I add to another person? How can I help them? How can I just be there for someone really was very important because I had a mom and dad, my mom didn't work outside the home. She was a homemaker um, and very proud of it. And I remember she had peers that she would talk to and she said, yeah, you guys have two jobs and I have one. <laughs> and she's like, you know. Uh, one times three. Though. Yeah, yeah. Three kids. Yeah. I can barely do one kid. So yeah. three kids, I'm like, she's an angel right there. Your mom, I don't know her, but I'm already proclaiming she's an angel because <laughs> I can't even imagine. Three, three, 13 months apart. Yeah. 13 months apart going in. Different directions, all experiencing teenage years near the same time. Yeah, it was. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. God bless her. <laughs> so it was one fell swoop, but she did take a job for about two and a half months during at, at a retailer called Bamberger's. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but it's kind of like a Marshall Fields or maybe close to a Nordstrom. Anyway. She said she was going to exert her, told her, announced to the family she's going to get a job, she's going to go out there, she's going to join the workforce. And it was the most miserable two and a half months that we had. No snacks, a uh, different neighbor let us in. It just wasn't fun. Right. And so then she just said, you know, I don't need to do this. And I so admire it. She says, I'm going to be home with my girls. I have a you know, husband that supports me and, 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 and pays most of our bills, so I can afford not to do this. But it was nice for her to try to, to assert herself in that way, but then realize that's not who she is, and she doesn't have to do that and conform to the world right. in that way. And there and was a lot of pressure to do it. Yeah, hey. Yeah, she gave it a try. <laughs> you know, my mom worked a little bit. She was home with us when we were young, and then she worked. And my dad was an entrepreneur, so I think they needed every penny they could find. Sure. Because there were three girls. Yeah. Um, me being the middle. And ah. uh, yeah, so we have some more things, things in common. Things in common. Yeah. I know we probably have a billion things in common. I know you don't want me to go to break. I am going to go to break. We will be right back. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Weersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. Now we're back with Stephanie Knight. After a foundation of service as a young person, tell us then what kind of education did you get to then be able to come out into the world and you know be the head executive director of an agency serving so many people here in Colorado. Uh, I think people are curious, 
how do you leap from a heart of interest and a soul mm. of interest, and where do you get the right um, building blocks to move into your future? Yeah. Well, um, again, it wasn't all so thoughtful and by design, but it kind of, it bumped into me and I bumped into it. So I always, I love to read and write and I like to speak, you know, more informally than formally than I, that I do now the majority of the time. And so I actually went to Northwestern University and I was going to be a journalist. I know everyone was like, oh, you're going to be the next Oprah Winfrey, you know, um, Diane Sawyer. They saw all that grandiosity in my future. And I found the journalism uh, courses to be tough, not from the technical side, but again, there's kind of a mold in journalism that you have to really acquiesce to. And that wasn't comfortable for me because I'm like, we should all feel free to communicate and impart information in the way we can deliver it. So I did study journalism, um, but I moved to sociology at Northwestern, and I became very involved in student government on campus um, and an advocate. I, there were um, African-American professors seeking tenure at that time that weren't granted tenure, and I got involved in that on campus. And so, again, it just kind of led me to a path of ongoing advocacy, kind of seeing systems at play, big systems. And again, I would volunteer in my time at the church that I found close to school. I would volunteer with youth groups that I had identified in the area and support them. And so it was always kind of this hybrid of activism, volunteerism, and speaking out for those who couldn't speak out for themselves. So that's kind of the, the secret sauce. Um, and then um, spent some time in healthcare, large healthcare systems in Southern California, long-term care specifically, subacute work, um, which I did the case management, the discharge planning, help folks get all the services they need to exit long-term care. And it was just hard and uncomfortable. Really, I'm going to be honest, um, Betsy, because I do believe those souls in those facilities and do that work have the best intentions. But some of the larger systems at play don't allow us to do everything we feel we can do for a client or a patient or a loved one because it's based on dollars and cents. So that's when I started to really look at myself and look at the work I was doing kind of in a corporate environment and felt limited because I couldn't necessarily express everything that was authentic to me and how I thought folks should be cared for and loved on and, and placed appropriately. And that was always at odds. And so that's when I started, I sought out my first um, nonprofit role, which was in South Central Los Angeles um, at a YWCA uh, under youth programming. And so it was really, it was a tough time to kind of get into nonprofit work in the 90s. It was a lot of um, gang activity in South Central Los Angeles. So, and it's funny because my husband was scared to death. Um, you know, along the way I married him um, in our 20s. We've been married 30 years, so I have a spouse of 30 years. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. There's another yeah, feather right there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right up there with every that's career good. move and really beyond. But um, he was so worried of me going into that environment and, and kind of dealing with that, not coming out of it or growing up in it. But, you know, it was so interesting because as a kind of a social worker case manager in that environment, I was always protected. I had many angels around me. I moved in and out of South Central Los Angeles with no problems. I mean, it was almost like, that's the social worker lady, don't bother her. Oh, do you right. know where you're going, social worker lady? Yeah. Let me help you. You know, like, yeah. you're lost in Watts, like, let us help you get out of here. Yeah. I mean, literally, that's what happened. And I would just always have a path of caring, you know, heartfelt individuals that no matter what noise was going on, they would just 
and you know, and embrace me and usher me in. So that was very validating. And I got to work with youth in that that setting, and I started writing grants in that environment and understanding how you could kind of get money through a, a good narrative and an impactful story, which is very important as an executive director in nonprofit work. And that, you know, that was kind of another um, a skill I had that I was able to use very constructively with my writing, which was tell a good story and tell a story of impact and, and really mean everything that I was able to put to writing. So that's wow. kind of, yeah, where that... Well, I wish we had one thing in common because I went to my dad when I was a senior in high school with my great SATs and said, I learned about this school, Northwestern. Oh. And he said... The schools in Indiana are Purdue, IU, oh, Ball yeah, State. Yeah. And I said, but Dad, I learned about this school school, <laughs> Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And he said, the schools, <laughs> the state schools that oh. we can afford in Indiana are Purdue, IU, Ball State. And so I picked Purdue, and it was great, and got a scholarship and all the things. Uh, but my aspiration at one point was Northwestern. So really? yeah. see, it's another thing I love about you. <laughs> wow. There you go. There you go. So you came through not-for-profit. You're making a difference. You're working at gangs. How did a nice girl like you get to Colorado? Yeah. So um, prior to Colorado, we lived in Mobile, Alabama. I actually ran um, a BBB, a Better Business Bureau of South Alabama down there, another nonprofit with a kind of business lens, um, and my husband's IT product development. So um, one of the vendors that he worked with in Mobile um, kind of flew him out to woo him to a contract opportunity out here, and that's how we landed. We spent seven and a half years in Mobile, Alabama, and then we were able to come out to Colorado. And I was really ready to go. We fell in love with the mountains, all the outdoor recreation, it was like revisiting snow from where I lived in Ohio and New Jersey and then went to school in Chicago. So that was all very comfortable and familiar. And again, it's just a really beautiful place to live and work. And I could almost kind of see our, both of our shoulders, you know, coming down as we were able to come out here and recreate, which was so nice. Although the Gulf is beautiful. Um, but yeah, it just felt really comfortable and familiar and, and just a great environment. So that's kind of how we got out here. And then I started just putting my feelers out um, in the community um, to identify opportunities. I became a Girls Inc. volunteer, um, Metro Denver um, Girls Inc. and had a a mentee, or actually they gave me two mentees, worked with them for a year. Um, And then, like I said, just started applying to some nonprofit. And because of my case management background and working with older adults in long-term care settings, um, the Senior Hub was a, a great fit, and they were going through transition. Um, um, the principal or patriarch of the agency, Howard Yeoman, wonderful man, 18 years in the chair, um, passed away with stomach cancer. So the agency, you know, and the team needed healing and support and everything that the community would need. They needed it internally as well. And so um, so I was just drawn to it, and they really didn't mince words or waste time. We need somebody. You sound like you can do this, and let's get to it. And so that's how it all came together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I, the Senior Hub seems to give you a great playground for your philosophy. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, great way to put that, Betsy. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, heart-led, heart-spirit-led, uh, service, mm-hmm. uh, but then you also have to be the boss. Yeah, and you have to manage people through COVID and through so many different things. So uh, I like to give people tips and techniques they can use in their own life. What would you say as people are listening to your career? Are some things that you've learned along the way about being a leader or helping others or uh, how to 
really take a heart and bring it into the world. Yeah. Well, I definitely, I, I think that, you know, um, the world and even your own self is always speaking to you. And the truer that you can stay to those voices that you hear um, internally in particular are going to not steer you wrong. Like I said, my love of writing and advocating and, and speaking up on behalf of others has kind of led me through this trajectory. So you are your really own best spirit guide and you should really sit with yourself and say, hey, you know, what do I really want to see in the world? What am, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? I recently went to the um, Bold Women's um, Summit at the History of Colorado Museum on Friday. What, how do you stay in your flow? was a word that was used and coined during that summit. And that's 70 to 80% of activities you really enjoy that, that make your heart sing, that feel good and comfortable, and that you really do naturally and that you don't have to turn yourself inside out to do. And I think by doing those things, you become a very, very effective leader, a very purposeful leader. You model the things you want to see in others. And um, when you do that inner work and really you know, operate in your flow, the right things line up and happen. It's not that it's easy, but it's a lot easier because you're in your flow and you're true to your constitution. You know, Kathy calls that lights on. Oh, right? My okay. coach, you know, yeah. where you follow your energy lights. So she yes. talks about when you assess the situation, does it either light you up or shut you down? Yeah. And a person, a place, or a thing. So you try to be attracted to and spend more time with the people, places, and things that light you up, that allow you to thrive and be in your flow. Um, and then try to either delegate or find others that have the lights for something you don't want to do in a work environment, or just simply separate yourself from the people yeah. that we all know are large sucking sound yeah. and always want to <laughs> complain and always see the worst. And I, I just don't have a lot of energy for that because I'm trying to spend each day being grateful yeah, and looking yeah. for what's possible. Well, absolutely. So that's a great tip. What's another tip? I know you say in um, You Are Change agent yeah. and since you work with people that are aging and since I'm heading to another birthday very soon Aww. that I'm considered maybe even a senior citizen by some. <laughs> I'm definitely over 55. Uh, you call yourself a change agent. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is, um, again, you know, the intersection, how things find you when you're seeking and you're in your flow and operating in the right spaces with like energy and like-minded individuals. Um, about two and a half years ago, um, the state of Colorado launched something uh, out of a frameworks research called um, Changing the Narrative, which was a collaborative between the Rose Foundation and um, Next 50 Foundation. And it's all about re-messaging and kind of restating aging, right? So the language we use, the way we look at ourselves, the way in which we look at those folks in our communities that are aging, and it's it's a whole framework. And so I became one of their first original 20 change agents with a commitment to talk about aging differently in the community, to say that I'm 53 out loud, to to live in that and accept that on all that it, it brings, and not try to um, cover myself up in any way in terms of aging. And there in turn be very um, receptive and open to the way we're all aging and that it should be a very dignified and it's a cross-spectrum experience. There's no way one way to age, 
we don't age in a singular fashion, and that to really get a lot of these media tapes out of our head about all the face creams we could, should continue to plop on, you know, the colors we shouldn't use, Amen. the haircuts we shouldn't have. Right. I mean, like all the shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, I say, don't let anyone <laughs> should on you. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Because I, okay. I'm saying out loud that I'm 61, which is more than 53, <laughs> uh, but I feel younger at 60 at 61. I think that I maybe did in my 30s when I was striving so hard yeah. and, and juggling so much and um, still unsure of what God wanted me to do. So I was just trying to do it all, mm-hmm. thinking that the more I serve, it's more important. And then not even um, stopping to take a breath, and which I so value now, um, writing and meditation and walking and mm-hmm. connecting with friends and all the things with the big in-breath. Because I think you can serve as much as possible, but it doesn't have to be in a um, fire hose. No, for sure. Service. How much can we get out? Yeah. You know, if there's nothing left, I would always finally think at the end, if there's nothing left of me, then how well did I serve? Mm -hmm. Because then I couldn't serve anymore. Yeah. I spent everything. (laughs) So I think in my 30s, I I just ran. Yeah. And then in my 40s and 50s and now 60s, um, things change and, and it's different. So, okay, give us one more tip because we're almost out of time, but you have so many tips. We have to do a whole <laughs> podcast series, friend. <laughs> on tips. It's going to be Stephanie Knight shares. Yeah. It's going to be a whole new podcast. Okay, give me one more tip for everyone listening. Um, I, 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 I definitely think that uh, I know for a fact that my spiritual upbringing and rearing really consistently reinforced to me that we, are not, we don't operate alone that we are part of something larger and that we have a responsibility, whatever that looks like for us to others. And I think I never veer from that. So as a leader and as a pragmatist, when I look at my life, you know, my first thought is really, you know, how will this best serve another individual? How will this empower and equip them? It's, it's, it's very, it's external in the sense that I, I want to be as co- collaborative and inclusive and edifying to others beyond myself, because I believe that's what my, that's part of my spiritual teaching, my orientation to the world, is that we are not here just for us. And that is at the heart of service. We're, we're really here to be an instrument, a vessel, um, whatever word you want to use for others. And I really try to make that a hallmark of everything I do. When I write a grant, when I lead a meeting, when I have to talk to difficult funders, when I have to talk to p- in, in people into why they need to fund the senior hub, I really, really focus on who it's serving, not another feather in my cap or anything on that vein, but how you are really being a significant contributor to moving the needle in an area of life that people are really struggling. And doesn't that feel great that you can write a $10,000 or $5,000 check to do so? And that's how I really lead and just walk through the life. Yeah. Well, on behalf of my uh, Bertha, who, which was a Baptist, oh, my yes. grandma, okay. she'd say amen. Yeah, amen that's that. right. Yes, uh, yeah. When you said Baptist, I had such good flashbacks of my grandma Bertha. Well, um, tell everyone how they can find you. Sure. So um, I, again, I'm the executive director for the Senior Hub, and you can find the Senior Hub at www.seniorhub.org. Um, and you can find out more about our programs and how to get involved as a volunteer. We love volunteers. And donate or anything that you are interested in around aging services or serving our community in that, in that capacity.
Yeah. Or, or reach out and just get yourself a little bit more Stephanie. Yeah. Because I know you're saying that. You're thinking, I'm like, I want a little bit more Stephanie. <laughs> well, so do I, because it is a joy to be around Aww. you, your light and your energy. And uh, I spent the last weekend visiting my 96-year-old other mother oh. who raised me. Yeah. She was the best, my best friend's mom. My best friend passed at age 33 mm. of lupus. And so she always considers that God gave her me as her best friend's the daughter's best friend to be her other daughter. Yeah. And so I got to visit her at 96 in her retirement village. And then I visited my 85 year old dad and was uh. able to really have a super deep conversation with him. And uh, his emphysema is not good. Wow. And so, you yeah. know, it's just really uh, awakening to me to sit at 60 and look at 85 and 95 and be like, I'm going to walk around the block. Because I'm going to yeah, do no, right. everything I can right Keep now. breathing, yeah. Because I'm going to breathe yeah. and I want to, you know, be as vital as I can. <laughs> yes. So it really came home. Well, thank you all for listening to Boost Power Podcast. It was meant for you to meet Stephanie. Just her light and her service and her story hopefully inspires you on your journey. And that's what Boost Power Podcast is all about. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So you have the power yeah. to change anything right now in this moment uh, to just try an act of service, to learn something new, to explore something to better the world. And as you can see, Stephanie is definitely committed to that. Please share Boost Power Podcast with others that would love to be inspired and uplifted and like to meet interesting people with great stories. Subscribe on any of your favorite podcast platforms. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging in stories from the journey of life and business. Our music is by award-winning singer-songwriter Megan Burt, and we're produced at the Cinder Sound Studios in Colorado. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, people committed to podcasts on purpose that are designed to uplift and inspire. Please subscribe to Boost on your favorite podcast platform and tell your friends to join us. Learn more? BetsyWearsma.com.